Welcome to this edition of This Is Design Intelligence, conversations with leadership voices in the built environment. This edition is sponsored by the Tricord Group, leading successful relationship constructs for over 25 years, and VIM, helping the architecture and design disciplines design, deliver, and operate better buildings for a better world. Greetings, I'm Dave Gilmore, and this is Design Intelligence. Joining me in the studio today are five unbelievably fantastic professionals, leaders in their organization. Lauren Delabella is the president and chief executive officer of SHP, an architectural firm operating out of Cincinnati. With her is Lori Goodman Lamson, also president and chief executive officer of PDR, operating out of Houston, Texas. Thirdly is Catherine Peel, the chief practice officer of LS3P, an architectural firm operating across the Carolinas and Georgia. Additionally is Kathleen John, chief operating officer of Meyer Borgman Johnson, a structural engineering firm headquartered in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And lastly, but not least, is Wendy Rogers, the chief executive officer of LPA, operating out of both California and Texas. It is a great pleasure to be with you all. Thank you for joining me in the studio. So first of all, it's just great to be with all of you, and thank you for taking the time. So we're literally coast to coast because we have, you know, we're speaking to someone in Southern California and someone in North Carolina and and down in Texas and and uh, kind of in between. Uh, it's just fantastic that we've been able to pull this audience together of leaders. Um, women leaders in the design profession. I wanted to ask a question of all of you. You know, whether it's acknowledged or not, the journey for women through an architecture or engineering or business career has been challenging. The dominance of males uh, traditionally and biases uh, can be inhibiting to forward and upward progress in a woman's career path. How has your journey gone can you share some experiences from along the way in your time as a woman in the professions? I want to begin with Lori Lamson from PDR. Lori, what do you got to share with us? Thank you, Dave. It's, it's so great to be here with you and with my friends from all over the country, fellow women leaders uh, in our profession. And I have to say that until you posited these questions for us to prepare us for this conversation. I hadn't really given it much thought. And so I appreciate the prompt because it really causes you to reflect on the journey and the path and the obstacles. And one of the things that occurred to me in thinking about it is, honestly, I haven't spent my life thinking about what it's like to be a woman in this, in this position. Uh, to set a little context, uh, you know, I was raised by strong women all of my first jobs, I was hired and supervised by strong women. I actually was about 10 years into my work life, if you count, you know, the working that you do as a young girl starting out babysitting and then working your way through the retail profession to support yourself in college. It was almost 10 years before I landed at PDR and worked for men. Both the chairman and the design director were men when I came to PDR. So, I have this, this history of expectations <laughs> that <laughs> leaders are women. They are strong, formidable, smart, tough 
women. You know, my design professor was was a strong woman, and so it it, it really took a while for me to to consider what is what does this mean? Um, what does it what does it feel like? And I will say, being incredibly determined. You know, I showed up at my interview at PDR, which is where I'm now the president and CEO, declaring to our design director that I would someday be a partner and, and lead the firm in, you know, all of early 20-something. But it was it was in my DNA to be responsible, to be a leader, to, to help drive the future of an organization. And so, in thinking back on it, I likely plowed my way through to some extent, sort of, uh, you know, oblivious of some of the barriers that may have been in my way. Also, PDR had a very strong woman partner who became the president. She paved the way for me and other women to be leaders in the firm, and I think showed showed us what great leadership looks like: the balance, the the thoughtfulness, the the consideration for people. I think what I learned from all of the women leaders that I've worked with through my career and work alongside now is that leadership is really about leading other people. It's, it's, a, it's very much about the qualities you exhibit and how you treat others and lead others and support others and bring others along. Mm-hmm. Catherine Peel, you have done some amazing work at LS3P over the many years that you've been in the profession. Um, one of the things that stands out for me is your work in organizing uh, the younger women in the organization and speaking into their lives and allowing there to be a, a, I'll call it a fellowship of opportunity for this. Tell us about your journey. Well, it's interesting hearing from, from Laurie and talking about strong women leaders in her life. But actually, when I started at my firm, um, and I, I came to the profession of architecture late. I went back to school in my 20s and, and didn't start working in the profession until I was 30 years old. But the firm that I started with, I actually had an incredible male mentor, Paul Boney, who was one of the partners. And he really was a champion and he was a cheerleader. And so starting out as an intern 32 years ago, I have been able to progress with my firm all the way to my, my current position and through the merger with LS3P. So when I started out, there really were no women leaders in my firm, and I felt very fortunate to have men, uh, not only Paul, but others that really, um, again, were champions for me. Today is a very different world uh, with, you know, over uh, you know 50% of architects graduating from uh, universities are women. And so we have a lot of a uh, lot of younger, really bright and talented women, um, but we still have to bring them along. Uh, we still have very few women principals in our firm, and so, you know, part of what our firm is doing is trying to uh, promote and uh, make our younger women understand that there is a pathway to future ownership and future leadership in our firm, and that yes, some of it is patience. I think a lot of our younger generation is like ready as soon as they come in. I want to be a partner. I want to be a leader. And obviously, it, it there's a path and there's time that you have to put in. But I think we're trying to show that there is an opportunity here for you. And please stay with us and we're going to help you get there. Dave, I'd like to add to that. Oh, great. Lauren Delabella, tell us, tell us what's on your heart. I think what Catherine said is so important um, because 
there is always in every organization very much a process for how, you know, how an individual rises through an organization. And even though I think it has become much, much easier for women um, than when, when I started 40 years ago, and there are so many more opportunities, they still are part of typically a larger group of people that have aspirations and goals and interests. And all of those things really have to be taken into consideration in sort of the broad context. Um, That being said, I think, uh, you know, as I look across our organization over the last 30 years, we're incredibly diverse in terms of both male and female and the roles that, that people play across all of our different disciplines from architecture and engineering and interior design and, um, and even in our construction administration group. And we also have great leadership amongst women in our organization. So people do have the opportunity to have role models to see that it can be done, that it can be achieved, but is not necessarily always going to be a fast process. And so it does take some patience. It does take an understanding that uh, growth and development occur over time and that it's important that you don't sort of lose that aspiration if it's not necessarily happening on the timeline that that you were thinking that it should. So, Lauren, you're the president and CEO of a firm that's over 100 years old. If I'm correct, you're the first woman leader of such consequence for a firm of with that long of a tenure. Am I correct on that? Yep, that's true. We actually just turned 120 at the beginning of January, and I became the uh, CEO about 13 years ago, and I absolutely was the very first woman to have that role in the organization. When I first got to SHP 33 years ago, there really were uh, very few women in the organization, and the, the bulk of them were in administrative or clerical types of roles. And when I looked at just, you know, around the room to see where the other professionals were, there there was only one other. And we didn't have any policies in the organization that were really specific to women, like even a maternity policy, because at that point in their history, even though they were the firm was, you know, 90 years old at that point. They'd never had to deal with that instance before. So we've done a lot of a lot of changing as an organization to make it a great place for women, a place that attracts women, a place that really takes care of, you know, everybody, not just our women, but makes it easy for women to to be in the organization. And I think for me personally, I was stepping into a leadership role at a time in my life when I was going through a divorce. My daughter was four years old, so I was raising her by myself, and I was trying to assume a leadership role in the organization, and I had no family in town to fall back on. So it was kind of the, you know, the the most difficult case you could get to. And it really made me understand the things that we were going to have to do to make it easy for women to succeed in the organization and to give them the support that they needed to be able to do the things that would allow their careers to flourish. Amazing. Uh, You know, there's a book uh, that was put out uh, recently. Um, It's entitled 2030-2030. I love uh, 
some of the book, not all of it. Uh, what I do enjoy about the book is some of the tremendous uh, research that's put into it. One of the statements that is made is that by 2030, which now is, what, less than 10 years away, that in the United States there will be more women millionaires than men in the next 10 years, that there will be more women executives across the Fortune 1000 than men in leadership across the space. This is occurring because not just of a demographic shift, but because of the, the forerunners like you all who have gone before and paved ways and created new awareness and sensitivities to and, and impact to the professions, uh, not just in our world, but in many other areas, that has let us know that perhaps uh, women leaders have something a little different, maybe more than traditional uh, male leaders. I will tell you, I, I've gotten to know each of you in a different way. Some of you I know very well, and we've become friends but there is a common thread between all five of you that is not always common in the many male leaders that I encounter. And as first and foremost, all of you have this insatiable curiosity. You're always wanting to learn and improve. Uh, and secondly, you're all adroit learners. And, and in that, it's marked by listening and just tremendous listeners. And I, I don't know if that's just uh, unusually five women that I know that are all exactly the same, or if that might be something that is more common. But let's be honest. You're the exception rather than the rule when it comes to leadership. How do your strengths as women maybe uniquely empower you in leadership? Wendy, can you speak into this for us? Oh, I would be happy to. Thanks, Dave, for inviting me to participate in this conversation with these fabulous women, um, because I really appreciate the stories they tell. Because while we all have slightly different experiences, I think there are many similarities. And I do agree listening is a big part of it. And, you know, as someone who has wanted to be an architect since the early age of five and through every element of school, junior high, high, college, right, it was always where there were, I was one of the only females, one of the only women in the room. But through everything that I've done, I truly believe in consensus building. And I think part of that is because I was as a part of so much about working with communities, working with schools, getting a lot of people to buy in and have authorship of an, of an idea. And I don't think I realized at the time how much that was preparing me for truly what leadership is, what it means to be in this position to be able to turn great ideas into action and to, in this position, really allow things to happen in this role. So I do believe we are better prepared in that arena to lead because we're listening to the other opinions. And when we make the decision to move forward, I think there's better buy-in, if that's the right way to say mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kathleen John, you, we've gotten to know each other very well. I, Kathleen, I first encountered in, in consequence, uh, we hosted an event in Rome a few years ago at the Design Futures Council. And during that time, we got to connect and, and it was just a wonderful time. And I found this is a leader who has such a 
positive self-possession. Um, she knows who she is. She operates out of this confidence, and, and it's just full of light, which is so fantastic. So anybody that comes around her is immediately disarmed by this person who just knows themselves and operates out of that. So uh, speak into some of these topics that we've been talking about, about your journey and about the unique gifts that women bring to leadership. Well, thank you, Dave, and thank you for the invitation to be part of this podcast. I'm I'm really also very uh, honored to be in the company of these strong women um, who lead firms in our industry. And I think there are a number of ways to answer that question. My journey, um, my career has gone relatively smoothly and well um, with lots of access and opportunity for leadership positions. At least that's the way I feel when I think about it. But when I reflect a little further... I thought about the fact that along the way and over the years, I've self-selected for cultures and environments that offered opportunity. And if I had perceived that those opportunities weren't there or what I brought wouldn't be valued, then I wouldn't work there. And so when I really think about that a little, a little more deeply, what that really translates to is it limited the job opportunities that were available to me. Because if I'm only able to go to the subset of opportunities out there that specifically will support what a woman will bring to the position, that's a smaller, a smaller set. And over the course of time, you know, I can see now that 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 is a limitation that maybe I haven't really fully appreciated until I really gave it some thought um, because it's really felt very natural for me. I grew up in a home where my mother was very strong. I always felt that I could do whatever I put my mind to, whatever I was willing to work for, and so didn't have natural limitations in that sense. But, you know, going out into an industry, particularly years ago, that was predominantly male, there were natural limitations to what was available. And I'm just really hoping and sort of optimistic to see that that is indeed changing. As someone referred to earlier, half of the architecture graduates are women. A lot of the firms have some women or many women represented, which is important. But when you look at it, and, and I think looking at our organizations, I think it's important to have women in leadership, I think that there's value just even in visibility that leadership is male, leadership is female, and leadership might wear a dress. And just that visibility, just that that mind picture of what leadership looks like, I think has value. But then also being a woman in leadership, there's also attentiveness in terms of what's happening when there are women there. And watching for, you know, are the opportunities available? Watching for interpretation. So, for example, if you observe someone talking to Joe who says, you know, I feel challenged. And then that individual says, hey, Joe's doing really well. He's challenged. But then perhaps that same individual talks to Mary who says, you know, she's challenged. And that person comes away and says, ooh, Mary seems overwhelmed. <laughs> you know, you can watch for those sorts of situations and have a conversation. And, and sort of there is an ability to have an attentiveness, I think, that's important. And then also really paying attention to inclusion and the culture that you create uh, within your organization, being very inclusive, very um, 
open and really supporting uh, your your women and your men as they you know pursue their career. And I think that by creating that culture, that really inclusive culture, drawing both men and women, your firm is stronger. And I think that there are a lot of brilliant, talented women designers out there, and they're going to go to companies that will support their becoming all that they can be. And that's going to be good for the company. I think that's good for our industry. And I think that's something that we can do, that we can do as women leaders and contribute to in our organizations. Oh, it's fantastic. Lori Lampson, you want to add on to some of this? Sure. I've just, I've been thinking, thinking about my friends' stories. It's fun to listen to everybody's journey and how they've dealt with their own trajectory as leaders. I did enter the industry slightly differently, not not in the traditional way, because PDR is a, you know, I guess the traditional way is big A, little I, what we call architecture first and interiors or design second. PDR is an interiors firm, so we're a big I firm. And so architects and designers were, we didn't have that traditional tension. Everybody was equal in terms of contributing on projects and serving clients. So that was, I think, that gave me a leg up, actually, as a woman, because I entered a more neutral ground, even though it was still male-dominated. Male I should say, wonderful male leaders that also sort of set, set the course for what great leadership is. I mean, I, I believe leaders should be exceptional, uh, all of them, all kinds, all demographics. And in thinking about how to counsel young, young people that are interested in, in being a leader, that just understanding that it is this, it's a people role. One thing I will say is I did put my career first. I knew that I wanted to be in a leadership role. I knew that meant, you know, assuming the role I wanted, not the role I had from day one, exhibiting those values, you have to prove yourself. And I did feel like every day I had to prove myself. So I do have children, but I waited and quite late in my childbearing years to have them. And that was was because I did feel like taking a pause would break my momentum and it would it would slow my career down, slow my leadership trajectory down. So I didn't have my children until I was an owner and a partner. So like like Lauren said, that was when I realized just how hard it is. You know the effort it takes and the energy it takes to make something and be responsible for it. And you know it's not a 40-hour gig, right? It takes a lot more energy. Once you go through the trying to balance the responsibility at home with a family and the responsibility at the firm with not just your work, but you're, you're responsible for the entire payroll as an owner. Like figuring out that balance, the stress there, what I learned was it's very individual. It's not a woman thing or a female thing. It's an individual thing. And every individual has their own limits and their own needs and what, what women need so that they don't leave the workforce. So the decision is not, I can't do both. So I'm, I will leave the workforce. It's we've got to support the choice, whatever that choice is, and offer the flexibility and the adaptability in the role and the time and the way they're allowed to lead and, and get their work done. We, we can't be rigid and expect that, you know, that family life happens behind the scenes and we don't want to know anything about it. And honestly, that is one of the big positives of having gone through this pandemic experience is that we have now exposed everybody's 
humanness and the fact that we have lives in our in our home office and that we have to take care of and we're no longer seen just as workers we're seen as as human beings and i think that has helped me at our firm shape the policies that we need to put in place so that we don't lose great women because they we don't give them a way to deal with the stress and and find yeah. their mm-hmm. version of balance I would love to add to that only because I think it's a bit of a point of comparison to the story there, having had children very early, probably before I knew better, right, early in their career, but being just as motivated, right? I mean, absolutely what you say about wanting to take on more responsibility, better projects, being given the opportunity to really, you know, lead from that perspective. So there was always trying to find the right balance and and the flexibility Similarly, coming in as as one of really the only woman in leadership, I was kind of setting the guidelines. Like you said, there were no rules. So all of those, you know, I created my own flexibility so that I could balance both of the two aspects. Also had a great partner to be able to do that, but really kind of established what that was going to be. And I had a client because I didn't have a role model at the firm. I had wonderful men who were great mentors, still are. I found I was gleaning from a lot of our clients who one of them, I'll never forget the day when she said, Wendy, this will be, you know, as I was eight months pregnant, right? This will be the hardest thing you ever do as someone who had also been working for probably 30 years. And I was too young to even understand what she was saying. I can look back at that today and really reflect about what she said, because there were hard choices, but I feel comfortable with every single choice that I made raising two great kids who have now graduated from college and being in this position to really be able to help more women to be that role model about what's possible, but that truly they have to be able to lean in and raise their hand and take on that responsibility as well, right? It, it isn't just that it's given to you. I'll, I'll, I'll pull you up as much as I can, but I need you to want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. So Catherine Peel, you have two daughters that you have raised through this adventure of your career and tagging on to to these last two. How what do you say about all of that and the choices that you made along the way? Similarly to Laurie, I had an established career. I'd been with my firm for about 13 years and was a partner before I had my twins. And so in some ways it made it easier because I was established and I was valued and my firm really supported me through the time when I was off with with the girls for during my maternity leave and gave me a lot of flexibility. And I don't know that younger women, if they're just starting out of the profession, necessarily get that support, but I think we need to give that support. That's I think that's a lesson. Uh, but I had that advantage of being established in my career. Looking back, you know, it's it's hard not to have the mommy guilt sometimes. And when my daughters were younger, I often got the the plea, "Why can't you know? Why can't you go? Or or why are you going on another trip?" I mean, it, it's it's hard. It it pulls on those heartstrings. But I will tell you, my girls today are strong women, and they are leading their own path. And they tell me now that they are proud of the work that I've done and proud of who I am. And so. That gives you a lot of joy to know that that you were there enough for them and that that you somehow were able to to balance. But I think 
for most women, it's, you have to, there's never a perfect balance and you just have to do the best you can every single day and know that some days, you know, it's all about work and you'll find the time to connect and have the time with your children as well. So there's no perfect answer, but I feel fortunate to have been with a firm that supported me through having my beautiful little girls. <laughs> Wonderful. Lauren Delabella, there's a lot of women listening to this podcast today and will ongoingly, what are your words of insight, encouragement that you have to offer them about their careers and the future forward? I think that there are going to be many, many opportunities. And one of the themes that we've kind of heard repeat from Lori and Catherine and and Wendy especially is this whole idea of flexibility and adaptability and being in organizations that are going to provide that and provide the support that you need to be able to be successful. And I think that the most important thing is identifying the right place. And if you, you know, if you find the right place, then the choices will unfold over time in a much easier way. It shouldn't be that a woman coming into the profession has to break new ground anymore. That time should be over. So if, you know, if you're a, a young woman that's looking at an organization where it feels like that's that's possibly the avenue, then that may not be the right place. And I would I would say that to a man as well. I think, and Lori, Lori said this a minute ago, you know, we've certainly learned the importance of flexibility through this time with COVID, and it really does apply to everybody because we all have an ebb and a flow in our lives where there are times when things are, are going very well and there are times when things are more challenging, and we all need that flexibility and support and adaptability t- for the different challenges that, that come up. And having organizations that demonstrate that repeatedly are going to be better places to look for those opportunities for both men and women. Fantastic. Kathleen, John, what words of advice, encouragement do you have for all of the women professionals who are listening to us today? I don't know if I have any perfect words of wisdom or or um, marvelous flashes of insight here, but I will tell you that I was talking with uh, one of my daughters recently about this sort of topic, and you know, looking at the the journey for women today, I know that there's a lot of advice out there about how to behave if you are wanting to be in leadership. There are things like um, perhaps maybe as a woman, don't be quite so polite. Um, You you know, please, you know, thank you, if you will, um, that it might make you come off a little more subservient. Just how you engage to engage in some ways more like the male example out there for how male leaders might, you know, approach something or behave. And when we were talking about that, it seems like Because what you want to say is be who you are, be who you are, follow your heart, and you really can't go wrong following following your passions, following your heart and being who you are. And that's the real advice. But in reality, in any given situation, you sometimes have to ask yourself, do I say it this way or do I say it that way? And maybe naturally, I would say it this way. But in this situation, if I say it this way, perhaps I'll be more successful in this instance. And I think that there is a luxury that comes as you progress in your career and as you move into positions of leadership where 
where I am and where I've been, I can be unapologetically 100% genuinely me at all times. I say many pleases and thank yous and um, behave exactly what is natural for me. I think as you are going along your path early on in a career, given the, the reality of different environments, it can be a gamble for somebody earlier in their career to be 100% genuinely, you know, what would be characterized as a female behavior or approach to something. And so, I, I would say that, nevertheless, I really believe that the, the right advice is be who you are, follow your passion, do what's in your heart, and you will find your way. And so, while I recognize that sometimes in certain situations, being who you are might come at a cost, I think that the more that each of us can be who we are and behave in the way that is natural for us, we're going to change, and, and we already are. Um, change what's expected and change that view of what strength and leadership looks like. Fantastic words, to thine own self be true. That's that's just Mm -hmm. wonderful, wonderful advice. Catherine Peel, some parting words of encouragement and insight to our audience. Well, I think I love that I, the thoughts that the other women had about, you know, being yourself. And I think it is about creating your own unique brand, really. Um, but also, you can't wait for someone to just sort of pat you on the head and tell you what to do. I mean, you have to uh, look around, looking at what void might need to be filled in your firm, developing a niche, speaking up, leaning in, and using your voice. I think also... I think women are really great at networking, and I think, you know, look outside of your own firm for leadership opportunities and for champions. Gain that confidence and um, skill set wherever you can find it, and make yourself indispensable. That, to me, is the uh, the key for all of us, is that your firm can't live without you, really, and that you have such a unique set of skills and such a perspective that is so vital to your firm. And um, I think we have a lot more examples of diversity and leadership today, which is great. It's not always the white guy in the suit, right? I mean, we see different colors and, and races and uh, gender identity and and see that all of those can look like leadership. And so find your own unique path is my word of advice. That's fantastic. Just these are such powerful words. Lori Lampson, words of advice. Absolutely, Dave. I love this conversation and 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 deep digging deep into what it is that makes women great leaders, what what natural talents we have because we are women. And I think the balance, my my advice to emerging female leaders right now would be understand what those core strengths are that you have, intuition, emotional maturity, and leverage them and those coupled with your actual strengths. I'm a big believer in the strengths finders assessment and really learning. If you if you don't if you're not clear, really learning what your core strengths are, combine that with your intuition and your maturity, and you will be unstoppable as a leader, a leader of people, a leader that that is um, can be authentic and true to yourself and bring others up with you. That's fantastic. I, I tell you, I, I've been so enjoyed this conversation, and we're going to have to figure out how to do this again. I look forward to the time when we can be back together physically again and get to know each other even more. Thank you so much for being a part of the Design Intelligence family. 
Thank you, Dave. Dave. Thank you, Dave. Until next time, I'm Dave Gilmore, and this is Design Intelligence. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of This Is Design Intelligence, sponsored by the Tricord Group and Vim. The producer for This Is Design Intelligence is Laura Spells. Sound engineering by Jared Knabel. This has been a DI Media Group production.